Tis the season, Aaron. To be jolly. To be merry. To be filing our taxes. No, no, you misheard me. To be married. Oh. It's well, Valentine's Day. Oh, but I thought Valentine's Day was Single Awareness Day. Uh, for some people, yes, it truly is. Although, the more I look at the events being planned, it kind of feels like singles get all the fun at this point. <laughs> how, how are they getting all the fun at this point when it's mostly couples events? No, I feel personally attacked as a married person by the, the sheer amount of singles awareness events happening at this time of year. When will people just stop and feel sorry for us poor married people in our happiness? Folks, I apologize for my wife. Uh, I don't know where she's getting all of this. <laughs> Our podcast is literally called Married to the Idea. <laughs> this is Single Awareness, the podcast. We, we put that on, on blast, basically. Well, I love being married to you. I love being married to you. That's not what's in question here. All I'm saying is the world seems to think that we can plan things for us to do just fine and well enough on our own and don't need... Singles masquerade balls or uh, lettering brunches or all these. I know. Like, so there's, yeah, exactly. We could be at a hand lettering mimosa bar, but no, we're married. We don't need to meet anyone. We're fine. You don't need hand lettering. You have each other. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I'm just trying to be like St. Valentine and buck the system. Ooh, how did St. Valentine buck the system? Well, you know, your traditional Catholic stuff, converting people when the world was saying, mm, don't do that. Marrying people when the Roman Empire was saying, mm, don't do that. Uh, personally, I think my favorite story when uh, looking up stuff about St. Valentine is that you can see his skull on display uh, and it's in this incredible golden box filled with dead flowers, like some sort of macabre scene. And his name is stamped across his skull. Like, it's it's so gothic and beautiful, as most Catholic stuff is. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know he's also the patron saint of beekeepers and epilepsy havers? It seems like they just needed a patron saint, and they're just like, you know what? Valentine's only has Valentine's Day, so let's say beekeepers. You know what? Epilepsy havers, too. You know, we need more people. I, I hear what you're saying, Aaron. We need more people to become saints, because we are running out of saints to be saints of everything. Sure. Are you going to take up that mantle? Uh, no, just like, who could be the... Someone needs to be the hot dog saint. One day, someone will have to be the koi pond saint. St. Joseph Scatolini, the hot dog saint. <laughs> Who will be the patron saint of movies, Aaron? Aaron Hines, the patron <laughs> saint of movies. Oh, good. We have a goal now. He's Aaron. <laughs> She's Elizabeth. And we're married to the idea. Aaron, you didn't say it with me. No, because I was about to say Elizabeth Hines, the patron saint of libraries. Ooh. Yeah. You know, I think there must be. I'm going to look it up later. There must be a patron saint of libraries. Perhaps I could be the patron saint of bibliophilia, like the, the specific love of books. Maybe uh, I could be that saint. Uh, it's I a feeling. It's an emotion. <laughs> I was going to say something else when you said bibliophilia. Well, that's because you have a dirty mind, Aaron. Philia what? is a Latin suffix that means love. Me? Yeah, exactly. Like, I am a practicer of Aaronophilia. Disgusting. <laughs>
We're not going to make it. (laughs) We shouldn't record this early, Aaron. We have to. This is the only time we could record this week. I guess so. We apologize for missing last week. We um, have crazy cats. Uh, We had uh, a lot of things going on. and uh, Who would have thought that February could be so gosh darn busy? Yeah, we actually will be on a vacation next week. Mm -hmm. So we decided kind of skip a week and then um we will try to actually have maybe a couple special episodes locked and loaded um when we will be on vacation it's gonna be interesting because i Uh, like doing our february month of love episodes yeah i'm interested to see how uh these uh other episodes are gonna go so um thanks for listening and uh, that's (laughs) usually what i say when we're about to go uh but yeah we apologize for missing last time um but we uh have a very fun episode this this week that uh liz actually picked out yeah it's been a while i say as i know i just picked out the last like six movies uh but i picked up starman at like it wasn't even it wasn't in the dollar bin it wasn't in the dollar bin it was on a shelf appropriate so i knew it had to be a good movie because it wasn't in the the refuse pile (laughs) it wasn't among the plebs yeah and i'm always interested by good casting i think more and more there's so many movies it's hard to pick what are you gonna watch so for a while now i've been on a kick of oh gerard butler's in this let's watch that Uh, (laughs) dracula 2000 yeah exactly uh this one um oh karen allen is in this (sighs) Karen Allen. Oh, Bonnie McMurray. Everywhere that Karen Allen is, I have a crush on her. No, I love Karen Allen. Because she was in the first Indiana Jones. Yes. Yes, she was. She was adorable then, too. She beat a guy at drinking. (laughs) I'm your goddamn partner. (laughs) Karen Allen is adorable. She has freckles. She's so cute. So she, uh, I noticed her name first, honestly, uh, but it was equally fun to see who she was playing off of. Jeff Bridges. I was about to say Jeff Daniels. See, I was about to say Jeff Goldblum. I was hoping he'd (laughs) save me. Well, I did. We kind of saved each other. But Jeff Bridges, of all people, um, who is actually, in all rights, a really fantastic actor. Um, Though there will be a time when we hate on Jeff Bridges because I will force us to watch The Big Lebowski at one point in time. I thought he was really good at that. that what, was... The Big Lebowski? Yeah, I thought that was like Oh, his I just movie. think it's a garbage movie that everyone puts in way too high of regard. Whoa, uh, Aaron, AKA we didn't even get. Jake James. We didn't even get into our opinions and already they're turning off. <laughs> Wait, no, come back. Come on. We have things to say. They're gone now. What do we say? Um, oh, if they're gone now, it means we can say whatever we want. Farfignugan. Macadamia. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> oh, good. They're back. We brought them back oh, with hey. Dr. Demento references. <laughs> How you doing? Okay, before we get into it, let's talk about our plug party. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. You can find us on Facebook at Married to the Idea. You can email us at MarriageToTheIdeaReviews at gmail.com. And if you need any of those links or want to see all the episodes that we have recorded so far, you can find us on iTunes and SoundCloud or visit our website, marriedtotheidea.weebly.com. You can also check out our Patreon if you want to be a patron of the arts, uh, namely the Aaron Really Tries show. Uh, Ah, You can... (laughs) What what was that? 
that? It's an acronym. Aaron really tries. Ah, I get it. <laughs> you can go to patreon.com slash married to the idea and browse our tiers to see which one fits your listening style. Are you the kind of person who only listens to us for the one episode when, when we review cats? Okay, well then join the dollar range. Are you the kind of person who really enjoys our intros? You're probably a very, very good fan. You're going to need to go in the top tier, my friend. Especially our new intro music. Oh, that's right. Yeah, this will be the this is uh, the premiere. This is the premiere. Yep. Okay, well I'm excited about that. Finally, to have licensed music. That we hope. <laughs> hey, you you did the research on this. Yeah, I did the research. So lawyers who are listening, Aaron was the one who picked this out. I had nothing to do with it. Trademark, <laughs> trademark. <laughs> register, register, register. Um, but yeah, we have a as you heard the new uh intro music and we'll actually be uh with by the grace of god uh liz uh and liz's patience we'll have outro music too so I yay know. how exciting you'll finally know when we've stopped making our jokes do they ever know do they ever start <laughs> let's talk about starman starman which i really feel silly about because when i picked it up i thought that it was the movie adaptation of solaris which I didn't realize until after we finished watching Starman that it was not Solaris. Uh, no, two entirely different movies. Yeah, in Solaris, they go up into space. In Starman, space come to us. Space here. Space Earth, man. Don't, woman. Don't hurt yourself. Brain hurting. It's so rainy and dark outside. Are you okay? I'm going to make it. Okay. Uh, so... Karen Allen's living all alone in the middle of bumfuck nowhere. Uh crying and having just the, the worst time of it all because her husband is dead and uh, an alien just right out of nowhere comes streaking down to this uh to this place and uh because this is directed by um john carpenter by john carpenter we get some truly horrific the thing style uh puppetry animation animatronics i actually i would compare that more to uh american werewolf in london yeah, yeah, I get that. I think it's more of just the naked child thing that really makes me think of the dis- the the head from the thing with all its spidery legs walking around. Yeah, I mean, this is it's a little uh, unsettling, but it's not nearly as bad as either of those. Mo- not- when I say bad, I mean like body horror as bad as those movies. I mean, the movie's got John Carpenter's fingerprints on it. It's completely minimalist score until it comes in with a synthesizer. Uh, yeah, exactly. That that tune is in my head. Um, Alien comes down, sees the video of Karen Allen's husband, and he's like, oh, okay, this will work, and finds a lock of his hair in the scrapbook she's been looking through because, again, he's dead, and he takes on the form of her deceased husband. Marley was dead to begin with. Yeah, he was dead. Dead, 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 dead. We never see anything. We just see the remnants of their relationship, and he comes down. He's like, this will work, changes into her dead husband's body, and then basically forces her to take him cross country to where he needs to go to meet up with the spaceship that's coming back to get him in three days. And the entire time, SETI and the government are chasing after them. And there are entirely too many explosions for a movie like this, I think. I think that this must have been the movie that Michael Bay was really trying to you know, take inspiration from all this time. Michael Bay is a kid. Well, I love this movie. I need to emulate it for the rest of my life. So many explosions, so many army helicopters shooting, just the the pyrotechnics. 
We were paid a handsome budget, and they went to town. All the Karen Allens in her underwear. Uh, that that is a lot of Karen Allens <sighs> in her underwear. Uh, just let me, let me let me enjoy this. Okay. Anyways. Very good. We're back. And we're back. And we're back. What did you think of the movie overall, Aaron? I liked it. Um, the humor was not uh hit you over your head slapstick. Um, it was very kind of subtle. Uh, the uh, two main leads worked off each other very well. Jeff Bridges um, was actually nominated for an Oscar yep. for his performance. Um, and while it was it was interesting to see that, and it was it's very rare that a sci-fi performance gets nominated for an Oscar. Um, it's kind of understandable because the way he portrays Starman, because he, he, his character's never really given a name besides, like, Starman or the man from space or whatever, the thing from space. Um, it's very interesting how he portrays it. And I can understand that. And they play off each other very well. It's never they, – they don't just, like, instantly fall in love. And it, it takes a long time, but it, it doesn't take too long. It, it, it does develop nicely over the uh, – uh, over the film and it's it's a very nice relationship and the film is paced decently it gets a little slow at times but i enjoyed it overall i enjoyed it what about you uh for me i thought it was equally surprising that uh jeff bridges got nominated for the oscar honestly because i think karen allen is the stealer of this show oh man i was hoping to wait for the second half to talk about karen allen's performance <laughs> Well, uh, we can keep it minimal, but I just think that there's something much more interesting about a woman seeing her deceased husband's form wrapped around an alien and learning how to cope with both this out-of-body experience and the, the physical reality of her husband being gone and yet still in front of her. That's That's... That tears me up when I watch her see him for the first time. Even as she watched him morph from this baby into a human man, for a second she is like, "Are are you back? Like, are wait, wait?" And then like it's like having to watch him die all over again right in front of her. She's like, she watches him die, her husband die like basically three times over the course of this film. His actual death, an alien taking over his body. And then leaving again. Like, it, she gets no breaks throughout all of this. <laughs> it, and it's funny, too, because she... How she delivers this performance is nuanced. And, um, and, and it's not like he just died, like, a month ago or a few weeks ago. This, this uh, Jeff Bridges' character, or the, the, the man that Jeff Bridges' character is based on, is been dead for over a year. And she is still in mourning. And, you know, it's quite understandable because, you know, they're, they're a very young couple and they'd been through a lot together. And it's just, it, it, she portrays this character so deeply and so, I, I when she's on screen, it's hard to take my eyes off of her. I mean, off, obviously, because it's Karen Allen. Thank you, Karen Allen. Um, but also, she she delivers such a powerhouse performance that's like, how did the Academy not recognize this performance? Yeah, that's an interesting thing. Like, I do commend Jeff Bridges because he's basically playing a man, playing an alien, playing him a man, playing himself. He's <laughs> in the video of recording that we see of him that she's watching 
he, you know, he's funny and charming and he sings off key and he has this big goofy smile and he wears his hat a certain way. And so when the alien sees that, he's like, okay, I'll just like pretend, I'll practice these mannerisms and that will make it okay for her to see me like this. And it's really uh, creepy slash charming to watch him like ape at this person that he never was but looks just like. Very, very body snatchers, to be honest. There's, there's a horror element to this, which I think is won over by the end. But in the beginning of it, like if I saw after you had been dead for one year, Aaron, you walked through the door, but you weren't you, that would be crazy traumatic. Yeah, and then, and again, she handles it like she faints, but then she's like. I got to get out of here. I got to get away. I'm leaving. Like, <laughs> get my well, boots, get my jeans. I'm out the door. Yeah, she handles it like, like I've got to get the fuck out of here. And that's what you should do. That's, that's a very smart decision. We, uh, I Actually, that was the biggest thing about it. We'll get to what I think really turned me around on the film. Um, previous to this turn, though, I was afraid that the movie was going to be hashtag problematic. Because <laughs> that's now how I look at movies. Because I just can't enjoy things anymore. Um, I was worried because the only instance I knew about Starman before buying the movie was that it had been mentioned when I was re- uh, watching a video essay by Pop Culture Detective about how many times in movies men abduct women and it's for their own good and they are aggressive to them and they don't let them leave and eventually the abductee falls in love with her abductor, you know, I mean. Stockholm Syndrome. Well, not even, st- yeah, not beyond Stockholm Syndrome, just the trope of a strong woman who then gets railroaded by a man into this path and they never really give them a chance to like do the turn. They're always with them constantly and they, they're always hurting them, but it's for their own good, that sort of thing. Um, actually, uh, I, I, I know it's weird. Uh, I kind of, uh, the book I'm going to recommend today during our um, sponsor dome is actually uh, kind of a similar theme to that so we'll talk about that a bit more later but i was worried that with him literally taking her forcing her um he gets a gun really early on because she is holding a gun at him at this thing in her house and she just can't pull the trigger uh so then he takes the gun and mimics her so he has no idea what a gun does all he knows is that she was holding it so he's holding it actually he does know what a gun does because he sees oh the he video. watched yeah. that's right he watched himself when he was a human using a gun so he knows that it can do something and he uses it as a means to maneuver her to do stuff and uh she continuously tries to get away she tries to cause accidents so she can get out of the car and tell them he blows things up with his mind and keeps her going and she's at a certain point like i if you're going to shoot me shoot me now because i cannot live in terror for one second longer and he holds up the gun and puts it right to her head i'm like no 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 and then he just drops all the bullets out of it and he puts it away. He's like, I do not wish to harm you. And at that point, I'm like, okay. I, okay, so from now on, it is going to be just if she leaves, she leaves. And he's not going to, like, chase after her or do anything about it. If she goes, she goes. And she does many times. One, the closest time being at the truck stop where she's like, no, I'm, you know, here's everything you need. I'm leaving now. And only when he reveals his compassion does she go and help him and realize, okay, I just I need to get him back where he belongs. Yeah, and we and I think we need to come back to to that um, a little bit later. We got to save something for the second half. <laughs> All right, then what do you want to talk about, babe? Um, I want to talk about how this was filmed in Tennessee. Shush, shush. Um, yeah, at looking through the trivia, 
this was filmed in a few different points, um, but it actually was filmed in Chattanooga, Tennessee, which is not far from where we live. That's really cool. It was a very pretty mount, uh, rolling mountainous area, not like a, a Rockies sort of thing. Um, but there was one stop that looked super familiar, and I'm pretty sure it was the fireworks one that you pointed out. Yeah. I'm pretty sure we've been to that that uh, highway stop or that free off went. Like honestly, when I see a fireworks store, I'm like, oh, we're in Tennessee. Let's. Just- <laughs> it's illegal, but we have fireworks stores every three miles. <laughs> what um, what do they think we're buying them for? The uh, specific trivia is, is the film's director John Carpenter wanted to use United States, the United States of America, as our very own backlot. So the cast and crew traveled from Los Angeles to Las Vegas, then Winslow uh, Meteor Crater in Monument Valley, Arizona, east to Nashville, Chattanooga, and Manchester, Tennessee, which Manchester, again, is not very far from us. I think when it's, uh, Manchester is where they do Bonnaroo. How in the world do they get permission to put explosives inside the crater monument? Uh, they didn't? I don't know. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, boy, the 70s, right? I, movies movies yeah, in the 70s? Yeah. Boy, that's a rock and roll time. We're going to go to this national monument and just blow shit up inside it. Okay. <laughs> I had no idea this was even a monument to begin with, honestly. Uh, I do like, then, that it's an actual thing. I thought they were just making it up for the movie, but to hear that that's actually a thing you can visit in the United States is kind of cool. And I imagine there's a lot of uh, alien conspiracy theorists out there for that reason. Oh, no. No. No, there's no alien conspiracy theory. Actually, does not happen. Aliens. I'm not saying it was aliens, but... Aliens. aliens. Guys, just because white men didn't do it doesn't mean it was aliens. <laughs> but white men, yeah. <laughs> Could be anything. Um, so, yeah, I thought that was really cool because um, some of those locations looked at least a little bit familiar, but it was really cool that it, like they actually got to Chattanooga like... <gasps> That off-ramp looked familiar. That was kind of cool. I do like that they used the country to their advantage. And I think that's what kind of start, like, this movie, it feels like that. It never feels like they were shooting on a back lot. Even movies that can try really hard sometimes feel that way. Oh, yeah. Like, they're limited. This one, because it's a travel movie, like, they have to showcase where they're going, what they're doing, and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think they did a pretty good job with that. Um, and they... They do, I think, you know what, I think I like this uh, a lot more than other 70s movies, because I'm thinking about other ones from that time, and um, Stephen King movies actually keep coming to mind, and how, in a Stephen King uh, story, the good guys are good, and everyone else, absolutely everyone else, is a dick, (laughs) or a bully. Just, there's no redeeming people. (laughs) Well, um, also, you're you're talking about the... the TV miniseries. Yes, yes. Well, I mean, it's, it's a two-part miniseries, but it's the TV miniseries. Yeah, we are in the Stephen King movie yeah. renaissance, but for a that while. Was, uh, that was made in the 80s, uh, 1984, I want to say. Um, well, maybe not 84, but it was definitely in the 80s. This is also made in the 80s. This is 84. This is specifically okay. 84. Well, then maybe what I think about it is that there aren't a lot of stock characters um, or that they balance them correctly. We have this government chasing him and the one guy who just wants results, damn it, but then the other guy who's like, I just really want to see some aliens and I want the money you're giving me for my job, but I also don't want to go along with what you're planning because it's not right. Um, And then we have the really just um, backwards thinking hicks who hunt and 
uh, kill deers and shoot and uh, punch people in parking lots. You know, little lady, you look like a meat eater. Got yeah, yeah. But then we also have. I've uh, got some nice venison in the trunk there. The nice lady at the diner who uh, helps her. Why don't her. you uh, come and escort me back to my truck and what the hell? And the college kids who help them escape the cops. That was fun. That was and a- then the guy on the roadster who just leads the entire U.S. government on a merry chase down the highway <laughs> to help them get away. Fuck the government. And then just a Native American woman just like hanging out in the same pickup truck that they're in, mm-hmm. like. And it's Gives not like a it's not a big thing. It's not like oh, look at these beautiful savages. It's, it's not. It's just they exist. Yeah. Don't you know? <laughs> <gasps> Their people are so proud. No, they're just there. They're just there. We're all living on the same planet, guys. It's really interesting to see that they they really do not steer into the stereotypes that heavy. They do to an extent on some of these characters, but not. But then they balance them. Yeah. I, I would not call these leads stereotypes. Um, some of these minor characters are stereotypes, but not like the traditional. I mean, yeah, you got the rednecks, but it's really interesting how they're stereotypes and not at the same time. Mm-hmm. So, um, but I think it's time for the sponsor dome. Two sponsors enter. One sponsor leaves. So uh, we shall bring in our uh, reigning champion, Audible. Today's show is brought to you by Audible. Audible is offering our listeners a free audiobook with a 30-day trial membership. Just go to audibletrial.com slash married to the idea and browse the unmatched selection of audio programs. Download the title free and start listening. It's that easy. Go to audibletrial.com slash married to the idea and get started today. Why Audible? Audible content includes an unmatched selection of audiobooks, original audio shows, news, comedy, and more from leading audiobook publishers, broadcasters, and entertainers. Remember, that's T-O, the idea, not the number two. Our recommendation to you today is one that actually Miss Liz has uh, recommended. That is Gods of Shade and Shadow. The uh, synopsis, which I'll read before Liz launches into her triad. triad tra- <laughs> I don't think you know the words you're saying. Nope. <laughs> tirade is what you're saying. What she said uh, about this book, because she has been enjoying it as of late. If this will pop up for me. It won't. It doesn't like you. There we go. The Jazz Age is in full swing, but Cassiopeia turn. No, Tun. Cassiopeia. Cassiopeia. Man, I thought I had it. Cassiopeia Tun is too busy cleaning the floors of her wealthy grandfather's house to listen to any fast tunes. Nevertheless, she dreams of a life far from her dusty small town in southern Mexico. A life she can call her own. Yet this new life seems as distant as the stars, until the day she finds a curious wooden box in her grandfather's room. She opens it and accidentally frees the spirit of the Mayan god of death, who requests her help in recovering his throne from his treacherous brother. Oh, I thought it said dot, dot, dot. (laughs) Um, So, Liz, why do you recommend Gods of Jade and Shadow? Well, it was the one book you let me buy for our anniversary, so there's uh, that. Don't lie to our loyal listeners. <laughs> All right, so Aaron took me to the bookstore for our anniversary, which was very sweet, and he said I could pick out one book. So out of the eight books that I selected... How many did you get? Two. You could let me get another one. That was Pumpkinheads, a graphic novel by One Second Books, and I will look forward to reading that. Uh, but the reason I got Gods of Jade and Shadow is that I'm... 
trying to become a more thoughtful reader, just as I am a more thoughtful movie viewer. So for me, it was nice to pick out something about a culture I had very little experience with besides what I've seen in film, uh, Mayan, Mexican, South American culture, um, by a, a woman writer of color who, when I looked at her you know, filmography, as it were, has written tons of stuff, is like one of the top fantasy writers to date uh, by Tor Books, uh, has edited anthologies full of stories that sound awesome, including one about Cthulhu's daughters, which sounds really rad. And I thought to myself, I've never heard of this woman, but she is a prolific and well-rounded author. I've got to read what this story is about. And to my surprise, so far, it's been pretty good. I like the concept always of mythology being turned on its head. Um, I like the idea of the god of death, whichever culture or mythos he appears in. I'm a, I love Hades. And uh, this one actually, Aaron, a lot of the words in this I actually know how to pronounce in my head because a lot of them are from the road to El Dorado. Like literally there's a story about the two twins who come and end all sacrifices. Like that's an actual thing in Mayan culture that the road to El Dorado used for their movie. You're kidding. I know. And and Chibalba is the spirit world where all of the gods yeah. live at the bottom of the and the, the Mayans would throw things into these giant maelstrom of course you water know all ponds. Chibalba. Yes what I'm saying. Like they did their research for that movie because it's showing up here too. Um, and I really indig- I really enjoy Cassiopeia's story. Um, she is there. There are some things about her that I'm like, ah, uh, I you know I I don't really like seeing it that much. But the author does a very good job of explaining why she's that way. S- sometimes when it's a female character, it's like I don't I'm not beautiful. Why would you say I'm beautiful? But in this point, it's literally the the girl has been like dug at by her family her entire life, never made to feel like anything more than a servant, as worthless, as meaningless. And even though she's rebellious and she has that spark, she just doesn't think much of herself until she goes on this journey away from them outside of everything and starts to experience the world around her and realize that it's not just a bunch of bad sinful scary things but it could be quite marvelous and uh the god of death as it were learns to become more human as he's bound to cassiopeia as they're making this journey i haven't finished the book yet um but the thing i love most about it is her imagery this world is so rich and it's richer knowing that it actually exists like she has done her research she's lived these places she knows what these cities and this stuff is like and especially the way she describes Ubalba. there's such great imagery like these insects made of glass and these black rivers full of golden caimans and all this really gorgeous lurid imagery that I really enjoy so I will not gush on it any longer but I highly recommend because I am actually reading it right now Gods of Jade and Shadow and you can get that on Audible Yes, um, and that is written by Sylvia Moreno-Garcia, and it is narrated by Yetta Gotsman. Um, it's all, it com- clocks in uh, just over 11 hours, and uh, you can get it free if you download Audible, uh, and that's if you go to audibletrial.com slash married to the idea. Remember that again, that is married to T-O, the idea. 
our challenger today in the Sponsor Dome actually has a little bit to do with our idea of looking at people from different cultures making different art. Uh, and if you know who this is, you might be given a hint as to what we might be doing on our next episode, those special bonus episodes we've been talking about. Uh, but we're going to talk about an artist today. No, not me. This is not a self-promotion tour. Uh, we're actually going to talk about uh, our good friend, Brian James. Uh, Ryan went to school with me at SCAD to be an illustrator as well, and he was the guy who said, Elizabeth, you need to stop being afraid of using the computer to make art. It's so cool. Let me show you how to do it. And I have uh, will never stop thanking him for that. Uh, Ryan has a, a wonderful style, and his uh, piece that he actually made while he was at school was a book uh, entirely told through black silhouettes about some of the stories uh, in his culture. Uh, he is from Trinidad, and he had all these different myths and fairy tales that come from um, below the equator that I had no idea about. Um, and it's always so cool for me. I love learning about different fairy tales from different lands and how they kind of link up together, how all of humanity, even separated, had similar ideas about how the world was formed and what morals we should be telling people. Um, but after that, uh, Ryan actually uh, has a really unique style. I don't think I could ever ape his stuff correctly. Uh, he is in love with the female form, and he does lots of homages to pop culture characters as well as tons of his OC creations. He creates illustrations for board games. He does tons of concept work. Uh, he's worked with animation studios. Uh, he does tons of work, and he's still actively creating now. And it's always fun to see his work pop up because I know, oh, that's a big butt. That's Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Ryan, um, Ryan definitely has a style all on his own, and it's really fun to kind of watch uh, him grow because uh, since you guys have uh, graduated, his his work has definitely uh, matured in more ways than one. Oh. Uh, but it's uh, kind of watching him uh, grow as an artist, but also further in his career. It's just it's been amazing because uh, we actually bought the board game. I think we or, uh, the big score. The big score. Did John? or uh, Kickstarter? Yeah, so we had a friend kickstart his project, which was the big score, which was this cool two-stage collaborative board game. Before that, uh, I had funded his uh, Mafia game, which he had done the oh, illustrations on the yeah. cards, and they were gorgeous and beautiful. Um, he does really good work with lights and shadows and interesting compositions. Uh, and I always really dig the sorts of female characters he creates with his work oftentimes it won't just be one piece it'll be a series of five pieces like a storyboard that tells a story about what the the girl is doing in that scene and i guess he's actually got another board game that's either on its way out or it's in development called uh run fight or die and i think it's about survival during uh, an apocalypse or a zombie apocalypse so. awesome sauce Aaron, why don't you give them some links so they can follow ryan and see what kind of work he's doing well the two that i can find um on uh online that i i'm sure he would probably want to send people to our artstation.com slash ryan james art and um ryan james art.com now those are just kind of generic or not sorry not generic they're portfolio sites if you want to follow what he's doing actively he does like live video streams of his work as he's drawing it and things like that so you could follow his instagram which i recommend it's ryan james dot art oh yeah he is uh i, I almost can guarantee that's where people he would want people to go to the more now he does have a facebook page and i actually just recently became one of his top fans so, so got that going that 
that. for me. <laughs> Things are turning around. Uh, his most recent uh, piece is one about 2B. And, you know, every time I see someone do uh, pop culture uh, art, I always think, is that too much? And then I remember what it's actually based off. I'm like, no, in the video game, she hangs her ass out like that. So, no, that's exactly what it's about. Oh, yeah. You can, like, you can get outfits where she's practically wearing nothing. So, <laughs> But don't worry if you're, like, not a mature fan. He does this beautiful color work with landscapes. Oh, yeah. Uh, I think that's one of my favorite stuff. He has a great sense of lighting and color and dramatization. And I've always enjoyed that about him. Yeah, on his actual website, RyanJamesArt.com, he's actually got, like, a um, original illustration and like the the cover photo for that is actually super creepy and it's awesome but yeah ryan ryan has an art style all on his own so uh he definitely deserves to be um the challenger this week <laughs> all right let's go back into these two handsome white people traveling across country <laughs> making trouble for the rednecks <laughs> all right i think we have to talk about like the big thing like the big, big thing. You don't mean the big thing. I, I do mean the big thing. The big thing? <laughs> Not the big thing. Here was the big thing that made me trade up from, oh, okay, you know, it was problematic, but it's getting better, and it's believable, and, oh, he, he brought that deer back to life. Isn't that so nice? And, oh, he really does care, and he really doesn't want to hurt her, and, oh, look, she decided not to leave him behind and to help him get there and she cares and it kind of turns right when they get onto the box car um i was afraid because there had been a couple scenes where he had seen oh in romance movies people kiss each other so i'll kiss her because that's something that people who are close to each other do he never uh, he only ever kisses her once but it uh before this point but it's very quick and he literally is saving her life like she is dead shotgunned to the chest and he is like well, i better fix you <laughs> like i need you please don't die on me and uh and then he leaves her like he realizes like oh you died trying to help me i am not good for you you stay here i'm gonna go now and of course she goes to make sure he's okay and he's about to get arrested by the feds so he was not okay <laughs> um and they jump into this box car, and it's been raining, of course. And so she's like, come on, you have to get warm. You have to take off the sweat clothes. It's called pneumonia. You will die. Uh, and then he, seeing that she's doing that, goes to unzip her. Again, like, oh, if you're doing this to me, I'll do this to you too. And for a moment, you're like, is this going to get rapey? And then she's like, no, I am super into this alien who looks like my dead husband. Let's go. And at the end of it, she wakes up, and he's just sitting there watching her sleep. And he's like, I like watching you sleep. I don't know why. All this time becoming, like, more human in his alienness and uh he looks at her and says so you told me before you couldn't have kids that you wanted to have kids with your husband yeah that was a, that was a conversation they had uh driving in this truck um because uh the the woman uh the native american woman had a child um and they were they were kind of chatting about it like who can have babies well, only only women can have babies why do you not have a baby i wanted to have a baby i can't i'm one of the lucky few blessed to be that way but the way she looks she is clearly like mm. wishing i wish this was not the case at all yeah and so literally they wake up and he tells her i have given you a baby he will be human he will be your husband's baby and my baby tell me now and i will stop this 
and he basically gives her what she wants and then the choice to do with it what she wants and for me before she even says yes like that was the most powerful thing about it like it wasn't like a rape baby it was hey i know you wanted this here because i know you want it but if you don't you tell me now and i will take care of this right now and she's and she chooses and she's so ecstatic and happy and it's it's all confusing and jumbling and so incredibly human like what would you do like yeah probably yeah that'd be great yes i do want my husband's baby yes please please yes <laughs> oh my god yes 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 but the fact that he offers her the choice like it doesn't exist like this in the real world it's not the same thing it reminds me of the uh <clears throat> the king arthur story that i uh, i have from forever ago that i heard while i was at this place called wesley woods where it, it was uh basically uh he gets he slays an ogre, but the ogre's brother comes out and, like, defeats him, but, like, doesn't kill him and says, listen, I won't defeat you, but if you can say, uh, if you can solve my riddle, um, I will let you live. Uh, however, you, you have a year to try to solve it. And he says, what do women want most? And so he goes and he tries to solve it, and there's a witch. It's like, I'll give you the answer, but you must give me Lancelot's hand in marriage. Uh, and he's like, I'm not going to do that to Lancelot. And, uh, and, and of course, Lancelot's like, I'll do it. And he's like, no, I'm not going to do that to you. I'm not going <laughs> to do that to you. And he goes the entire year. He asks women all across the kingdom, what do they want? And they're like, I want pretty shoes. I want, like the stupid answers. Um, but then uh, he finally, like on his way back to the ogre, you know, to pay his debt um, of, you know, his life, uh, he sees the witch. The witch is like, give me Lancelot's hand in marriage and I'll give you the answer. And he goes, fine, I'll do it. Um, and uh, she says, women want the choice. And he's like, uh, okay. So he says to the ogre, uh, women want the choice. And he's that's correct. So he gets to live. He goes back. Um, he tells Lancelot. Lancelot's like, okay, well, I'll marry you. And Lancelot goes back to, um, or sorry, he goes, uh, t- brings the witch back. The witch uh they they get married and uh he takes her up to the top of the tower where they're supposed to spend their honeymoon and uh when the night falls she turns into a beautiful woman and she goes this is actually i'm cursed uh i'm uh i have had this since i was really young at night i am beautiful but by day i'm ugly and uh, awful um but you get to choose whether i am beautiful during the day and ugly at night or vice versa and he's like well i can't decide you know what you make the choice and then a beautiful shining ray goes out and she's like well now i am beautiful all the time i got to make the choice because i got to make the choice i I always liked that story um since i was a kid i actually ended up doing um some theater stuff with it in uh, high school because i always really liked that story because it had a really nice moral give women the choice yeah i had never heard that one before i did it for you in high school. I'm trying to remember. It's probably because you weren't doing it with your acting voice. I might have, if you were on a stage, perhaps. I'll tell you, and if you... for Lancelot's hand in marriage. Yeah, that's it. Now I remember it. And your hair needs to be longer and less of a beard. And more fat on my face? No. And less self-esteem? No. And what else can we throw on no. for young Aaron, Aaron. Aaron. Let's see. Stop it. I think that at that point, it really does 
pivot really importantly to Karen's story. She's the one who's making this happen. She's the one um, bargaining with the feds to let them go and getting him to the crater and, and letting him go. And, you know, she even does ask, like, I, I don't know what this is, but I can't be here alone. Like, like take me with you. He's like, you can't. And she's like, I know, but I had to ask. <laughs> you sure I can't come with? And he's like, you'll die. And it's, uh, it's actually shown that he is actually a being of light and of energy. So she would die. Like, yeah, there's that... nowhere for her up there. Exactly. Um, and there's this nice open-ended thing. Like, almost all the forums, back when I thought this was based on a book and I was trolling through feeds trying to figure out what the book was that it was based off of, um, a lot of the threads were, why has no one, like, made a sequel? Like, I want to see what this kid is like and what he does with the final sphere that their father leaves him and how does he know what to do with it? But for me, I think it's nice to wrap up in this open-ended way like I, my modern sensibilities were saying oh don't worry there'll be a cutscene after the credits but there isn't like he leaves and we don't get to see how she deals with the feds how the world deals with their being aliens how she deals raising this child like it's it's completely done this is it this is all we have to go on it's um it's i guess it's been not necessarily revealed but it's it's been shown that the the final sphere is supposed to show because um if you've not seen the movie that the, the he has these spheres um that help and, him do like crazy amounts of energy things, things that humans can't do, things like blow things up and bring deer back to life and bring people back to life and give people babies and just yeah. pretty much magic. It's magic. <laughs> it's magic. Uh, I guess his final sphere is actually supposed to kind of reveal who he is, where um, the the Starman came from and everything like that, which we never actually find out, which is kind of nice. Do you uh, enjoy this very uh, the the ship coming down being like a mirror? of the world below it. I really like that design aesthetic of how oh, this yeah. giant spaceship was just reflecting the world around it. Um, it, it got a little, uh, little Jesus-y there at the end when it was <laughs> a child both divinely inspired and ultimately human. And when he grows up, he'll know what to do and he'll have knowledge of both of us and he's not from here. And it was said that a, a man would come on high and he shall look like Jeff Bridges and he shall bang Karen Allen. <laughs> and it was good. And low Amen. and such. Again, it wouldn't be Catholic if it wasn't a little weird and macabre. <laughs> so, um, final impressions. Um, and our final advice. And our, uh, yeah, final advice. I didn't even think about that. Um, so, Karen Allen turns in a powerhouse performance that was absolutely ignored by the academy at this time um jeff bridges does a good job too um i don't know if it really is really that being said remarkably progressive for a movie from the 70s like 80s sorry i don't know why i keep saying that i think it's the color palette i don't know <laughs> sorry i think that whichever time period this came out it pivots neatly from the kidnapped woman abductee narrative into uh, a more believable and uh, woman choice centric story. Yeah. And I think that's the important thing, how, where it goes as opposed to where it started. I would agree with that. Yeah. Um, it's, uh, it's a nice little uh, kind of travel story. Um, there's, there's, there's some other movies that are similar to this, but, um, the romance aspect, and again, there is some very fun comedy in this. It's not like 
again, slap you over the head. Slapstick. But it is very funny at times. There's, the guy who's the SETI researcher, I think he has some of the funny lines, too. Oh, yeah. uh, and when he decides to let them go, uh, Karen <laughs> Allen gives him a kiss and says, thank you, and goes away. And then Jeff Bridges comes up and kisses him on the lips and says, thank you, and walks away. <laughs> and the dedication by Jeff Bridges, I think, makes this movie. And there's, like, no like, there's no homophobia, like, ew, gross. It's just like, oh, well, she did, so I'll do it. And the guy doesn't feel like, oh, God. He's just like, this is pretty neat. <laughs> it is like I just met out. an alien. This is pretty rad. <laughs> so, the, the, uh, again, I think that the two leads really, really make this movie. Um it is dated a little bit with some of the effects and um, some of the ideologies. I I, uh, I think it would be funny if they were to remake this and um, they were to, like, come up with, like, the rednecks and, like, you know, the rednecks maybe, like, went hunting or something like that. And they're like, why did you kill this thing? And it's like, well, it's overpopulation. We're trying to keep it in thing. Like, I must revive this thing. And it's like, if you do... I'll sue you, not beat you. Cause like, um, what, what's uh, what's the one with oh. Hulk Hogan and uh, uh, Christopher Lloyd is like, like I'm not gonna try to beat you up. It's the '90s. I'm gonna sue you. It like, kind of like th- that kind of like my checkbook is my fist. Yeah, like that kind of um backwards like uh turn it on its head kind of. Comedy. It would be very hook at that point. Oh no, I'm 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 thinking more that the um, that Hulk Hogan Christopher Lloyd movie. I was frozen today. That kind of mentality. Um, but turn it on its head. Comedy is what I, I was thinking. But um, the uh, and there's different ways to kind of show that. But I think the dedication of the two leads just really, really, really make this movie. Um, yeah, it's mainly them. Like it's them, and then maybe the SETI researcher. Like he's probably the next most important. But I would agree with that, yeah. But they meet a ton of people, but it's really just these two in a car. Yeah, and there's some really like neat little characters that they come across. There's like no one who's like overly good, and there's no one that's like overly bad. I mean, except for like the rednecks, but that's just because they were fun to watch them get defeated, kind of thing. (laughs) I do love that Karen Allen's the one who fixes it. He doesn't like you know blow them all up or anything. She literally just pulls out the gun out of the car and just shoots in the air a couple times and just says, "Back off." Get gone. <laughs> Get a moving. <laughs> um, so, I, and I thought it was, uh, again, it was pretty well paced, maybe a little slow at times, but other than that, it was, it was well done. And, it, and, it's, and I think that's indicative of the 80s, unfortunately. There are some of these movies that, like, was, for the time, finely paced, but nowadays it's just a little slow. Um, but the cinematography can be pretty nice. Um, so, uh, what's your final uh, impressions? <laughs> I think that this is a a great character study of a woman dealing with the tragedy and loss of her husband being given a second chance, but not a second chance, rather coming to grips with what this means for her and her relationship and what she is allowing herself to take from it. Like, is it cheating? Like, there's so many factors at play and gamble. She's, it's, she's a wreck, but she never feels like a, a sobbing wreck. She's just like... There's a lot of complicated stuff I'm trying to figure out here, and it is very technical, and I do not know what the right thing is, and eventually she just has to give in with what her gut is saying, which is, I really miss my husband. Let's bang. <laughs> and see, that's the thing, too, is, is there's always a question of is when is the right time to move on, and there, there's never... 
and there's never like the right time. It's whenever you feel it's right. So like whenever you lose a significant other, it might take years. It might take weeks. It might take months. It may take decades. This appears to be the kind of movie that I've been hoping for in that when we like talk about Beetlejuice, it was like, you know, Beetlejuice is all well and good, but I, I think the movie would be cool if it was about these three women and uh, uh, how they are like managing and like going on the road busting ghosts. Like that'd be cool. <laughs> or I like the secondary character. Why wasn't the story told from her or his perspective? So in this one, I feel like the movie actually is pretty good about it because even if Jeff Bridges is the one who got the Oscar nod, Karen Allen, it's, this is her story. And it's her journey. And it would be so even a movie called Starman to make him the point of view character and him the one we're supposed to sympathize and empathize with. But it's not. It's this woman. This widowed woman trying to make sense of of a world without her husband in it. And that's really, really cool. I think that's why I like it the most, honestly. If it's from her perspective, I don't have to wonder and worry if she's okay with what's happening or accepting or what, what her thoughts are. We follow her. She is our emotional focal point. She is our lead. And I think that's what makes the movie ultimately great. And it does focus on Jeff Bridges as the star man, but it's it's a different kind of balance with when you're with him. You, you're following him, but you're following him as more of a story aspect. But with her, you're following her as more of the emotional aspect. Yeah, he ultimately, I, I mean, he, he cares for her in the end, obviously, but I don't think he ever didn't care for her. It was more so that, what is this human emotion you speak of? It was, what I, is love? I, I took Define this. Define love. I mean, he does. He asks for definitions all the time. He, he changes into this form because he thought it would not upset her because she clearly loved him. And he gives her what she ultimately desires and leaves her when it could be harmful to her. Um, I think, however, she has true character growth. Like, you know, they both grow in character, but I think her character growth is a bit more important to us as the audience because she's a human. Like, his is a smaller arc, whereas her is a much bigger one. Yeah. So does that lead into your final advice then? Yeah. Um. It's fun, especially, I think, because it is the month of love that I like when we do romance movies because it's a little bit easier to pull out the advice. We don't have to really strive like we do on Cats. <laughs> it's a little <laughs> bit easier. Uh, uh, don't be Rebel Wilson in a terrible CG movie. Don't take catnip without your partner's consent. <laughs> um, no, in this one, I think, honestly, the advice that I get, I, I may be taking it out of your throat Aaron and I'm sorry because you had the good story about choice but I I I think that is it that was the scene that got me and it it, I cried immediately as that was happening like instantaneously hooked waterfalls to give your partner the choice of what they would want not in a only you can make this decision not in a I don't want to make this choice you make it but in the this is important to you and I want to support you So whatever decision you make, I will support that. And as I say that, I know that you say that to me all the time. So And you love it. I love it. No, I think that it's not that you're the only one who can make these decisions. It's that if there's something truly that you want, I I can help make that happen. And then you can tell me if, if that's the right thing that you need at this time. Because so often people will hear a person's problems and just say, oh, I, I can solve that. 
sometimes a person doesn't want the problem to be solved. They just want to have someone listen to their problem. And so I think that's nice to solve it and then be like, now if that's what you, if if you do not need that, you tell me and I'll walk it back. But here it is in case you want it. Yeah, he did steal that. I'm sorry. I knew it as I was saying it. Like he had that good story about King Arthur. I shouldn't have done it. But that was that was the thing I really took away from this movie overall, to be honest. Be with your significant other. Because a lot of times um, what they remember is not the things that, the, that you give them or the um, – the the amount of the item itself uh it's the time that you spend together and we we see that with karen allen remembering you know the videos and or the the home movies and uh her remembering the time that she had spent with jeff bridges character that the starman was based on um so i i would say be with your significant other you know whatever you can if that's going grocery shopping or going out for dinner or spending, you know, a night home together and reading a book. Those or... are all memory making opportunities. Yeah. And she, she, she you're right, Erin, she does. It's never like that she's touching the things that he gave her or they had. Like the, the his car, his beloved car is not the thing that brings her joy. They end up having to abandon it at some point. Yeah, and I think in an alternate deleted scene, like she's selling her house in the midst of selling her house, so that's why she just leaves the house behind. Like, like that's not a part of me anymore. Uh, just I want to get away from this place that reminds me of him. Um, but it's the videos and the photographs. That's and all the things that she remembers about him, the way he wore his hat and the way he smiled or sang. That was what he was. That's what she remembers. Exactly. So be with the person that you want to be with. <laughs> So, thank you guys so much uh, for being patient with us and being patient uh, about being last, uh, be missing last week. Yeah, we hope you enjoyed the new music. And uh, next time you hear us during these special episodes, uh, you might be hearing a difference in sound quality again because we are professionals and we will not rest until we have the absolute perfect listening experience. We hope. <laughs> Um, yeah, we're we're hoping to upgrade our sound equipment, and uh, we're hoping that the upgrade that we're about to do will help fix some of the issues that we've been running across. So I'm looking forward to more romantic movies as the month goes on. Yeah, I'm interested too. I'm curious to see which ones we're gonna do. I got some ideas. Okay. Thank you to our sponsors, Audible and Ryan James Art. Uh, and thank you for listening and uh, being supporters. And of course, if you want to support us and our endeavors to be the best sounding quality and uh, everything like that and to stay on a more consistent schedule uh, be sure to check out all the links that Liz had described uh, like our Patreon or Facebook and uh, and Twitter and everything or not, not Twitter not um, Twitter we no. don't do Twitter Aaron no not Twitter Twitter's a wasteland our uh, our website and everything like that so Twitter's where brands go to fight about Mr. Peanut's death that we don't live there that was a terrible, terrible. Idea. It was awful. Aaron, we really should have. I'm sorry. I know we talked about Saint Valentine. We really should have talked about the Super Bowl commercials, but it's too late for that now. Because everyone else is doing it. Hey. Until next time, she's been Elizabeth. He's been Aaron, and, and we're, we're married, married to the idea. idea.